0: welcome to the good divorce show not every divorce needs to end in disaster it's time to see divorce in another perspective here to help with that is your host karen mcninney
1: hello i'm your good divorce coach karen mcninney chatting here today with yet another survivor of a good i might even say great divorce amy mcquilkin welcome to the show Thank you, Karen. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) Yeah, I really appreciate you opening up your story. And it's interesting. Every time I bump into you or we talk about divorce, we both end up smiling (laughs) and not because we're pro-divorce, but because we are wanting to help other people find the good path through divorce. And would you say that indeed you and your former husband have done that?
2: 100%.
1: Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I suspect like most of us, there's that sort of impossible purgatory period. When we think about the, before the divorce process happens, there's always a moment before, what would you say to the people who are like, oh, that's just an easy choice. They're just taking the easy way out, pulling the parachute and off they go.
2: Oh no, it comes the, there's no easy choice. There was just as much hard work being put into saving the marriage as there was to planning a wedding. (laughs) Right. I mean, it was just, it, yeah, it, it was a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, we did marriage counseling. I went to my own therapist for the first time in my life, something that I kind of pushed off, thought I didn't need, didn't grow up in an environment where anyone did that. You know what? I found out. I loved it. Yes. (laughs) I loved therapy. I loved couples therapy too. I was actually excited when we finally decided to dissolve our marriage that I could be friends with my therapist. She (laughs) wasn't my therapist anymore.
1: (laughs) break down those barriers. It's interesting. And I've I've heard you mention it and others say that sometimes in that couple's counseling in that time where we sort of are anticipating there might be an end, we, we we begin doing all these repairs, these little micro actions to improve the marriage. It's, it, it is kind of like the selling of the house, right?
2: Yes. Yes. Like you want to put your house on the market. You finally replace the gross screen door. You paint the kitchen. You put outlet covers on and you're like, why didn't I do this while I lived in it? This is so great. And it was so easy and I just put it off and it was the same. I mean, I, there was so many discussions that we had in therapy that I just, it, it was a shame that we didn't do it earlier.
1: But Mm -hmm. I do believe that there are things that we learn in our divorce process that then carry over into that divorced relationship. And many people lose sight that, oh, you're going to not be married anymore, but you're still totally in a relationship with each other. Oh, absolutely.
2: And I feel like we're more sensitive to each other now and more gracious and say the words that maybe nobody else will say, because we, we've had the longest relationship with each other thus far in our lives, you know, yeah, so give us parents, give us a little
1: bit of that backstory.
2: So Matt and I met in college here in Missoula, Montana. Um, we started dating. I think, gosh, I was 20, he was 21 and we dated for two and a half years before um, the year 2000, when we got married, bought a house and had a baby.
1: <laughs> well, trifecta. Talk about a millennial. <laughs> Welcome to the new year. My goodness. And that baby is now 22. Yes. Correct. And there is a, yet another child in the family.
2: Correct. Macy is 18. Mm-hmm. She turned 18 last month. She also graduated from high school earlier and just A few, let's see, a few weeks ago, she moved out of the house. So I am sitting in an empty house right now. First time ever in my life, I am about to be 46 that I've ever lived alone. Wow, it's kind of amazing. It's amazing.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And and really valuable. It's, Mm. It's really useful to build a relationship with ourselves. And to really fall in love with ourselves before we go out there and start falling in love with other people. But most yeah. of us, myself included, skip over that
2: part. We do. We skip that. I mean, I went from living in my family home to a dorm to roommates to Matt to boyfriend to marriage. And and then, you know, after marriage, living with my children who were teenagers and and all through that, you're right. Did I know myself? Did I? No, did I, did I love myself? Did I ever once spend time searching
1: for my own needs? I didn't. <laughs> mm. Well, I want to say congratulations. You've been divorced now five years. Did the mantra of stay for the kids, wait to launch the kids, did that cross your mind? Was it talked about explicitly or implicitly?
2: Absolutely. I think, you know, um, I think that for Matt, who initiated the the divorce process, who one day, you know, told me he didn't, he, yeah, he didn't want to be married to me anymore. And that, that there was six months after that until we, he, till he moved out, you know, six mm-hmm. months where we worked on it and tried. And Matt is an amazing father, an amazing parent. I can't, I can't imagine how much, before that point, he was thinking that, but it was the children that, you know, we were both holding on for. We both came from divorced households. His parents had a very messy divorce, um, dramatizing divorce, I will say. Mm-hmm. And mine, um, divorced so young, I didn't even remember living in a house with two, with a mom and a dad. I, I, And I, I was stigmatized a little bit. That was the 80s. You know, I remember a birthday party where it was some friends couldn't come because there wasn't a dad at, on the camping trip.
1: Wow.
2: But more wow. times now that I, now that I'm on the other side and I look back, I remember such great times with my mom, mm. you know, just like my mom and my sister and I. So yes, we did not want to walk the path that our parents walked.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We didn't think we would. Do we ever think we will?
1: <laughs> and you have begun to change the pattern from the two of you and your own Mm. child of divorce experience. And I hear this again and again, kids of the seventies and eighties who were the first of the, you know, what started to become a more common occurrence, but was still an outlier. Knowing what you know now, would you have waited for both of your children to launch and graduate or how do you think this is a no. family? <laughs> no, not at all. No. Cause the, the, the
2: years the last five years with my daughters have just been magical. Um, and it's been hard for them to go back and forth between two households. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But the divorce made us talk so much more about our emotions and, relationships than we ever did. And I just remember, you know, a typical night at our house would be, I'd come home from work and Matt would have dinner going and, you know, a glass of wine waiting there. And I'd hang out in the kitchen and just talk with him about whatever. And the girls would just be off doing their things. And we'd come together for dinner and then we'd all go apart again. And, you know, you, as a mom, I was really dividing my time, you know, between my husband who I loved to be with and my kids and like, sure, we were all together, but it really was, it, it, it just, it was split a little bit and, um, ne- coming home and cooking with my kids and deciding what we wanted to do. Even if it didn't involve cooking, we're going to eat blueberries for, you know, in front of the TV for dinner tonight, or we're yeah. not even going to eat dinner or we're going to eat it at midnight or, you know, where it just, it was so great. And it just, I will, those years, these high school years with them as a single parent were wonderful. And did I think that in the purgatory days? No.
1: What were you thinking?
2: I, I I was clinging to the story that I had told myself was my story. I, I, and a lot of us could probably relate to that. And I do this in in many parts of my life. I attach to outcome and it's really hard to let go and change paths. Um, because I only saw my life as one way and this did not fall into my story mm-hmm. and nor was it my idea. And I also am a bossy person who, <laughs> who likes to make choices and guide. And I would say I was definitely like the leader of our family in many ways, um, though we were a very good partnership. And I, I, th- I thought, oh my gosh, this is going to destroy our children. We're going to lose our house. Like we're how, I don't even know. I don't even have a credit card. Like, I don't know how to change the tire. You've cooked dinner for me for the last 20 years. I don't know how to cook. Like really, I it was ridiculous where my brain went. It was that primitive monkey brain that was telling me I basically wasn't going to survive. And it was the opposite.
1: <laughs> was wow. <laughs> but I also want to remind our listeners that not only did you and Matt bring children into this world and then we're, sort of negotiating their lives, but you would also build businesses together, had real estate. Give us a little bit of that backstory as well, because I'm sure there's other people who see themselves not only entangled in the house, but in many other factions of their life.
2: Um, Matt and I were, we still are very involved in our community in our small mountain town. I, um, you know, without him, I never would have been able to Open my shop, the clothing store called Betty's Divine. It's been open for 18 years. I mean, he was my backbone. He held down a job he didn't like. The health insurance. So our kids and, and the four of us could have that. So I could pursue my dreams. And then once I was up and going, he pursued his and opened black coffee roasting company in 2010. And we were, yeah, entrepreneur. we were this like iconic entrepreneur couple in Missoula. We had actually just finished recording like the radio call out on Montana public radio together as a couple <laughs> right before we decided to get a divorce. This is Amy McQuillan and Matt McQuillan. Uh-huh. It was it, yeah. So we had to untangle so much.
1: That moment when you have to start telling, when you choose to yeah. start telling, in particular your children, and you've identified mm. that that was one of the easiest slash hardest conversations. Tell me what that was conversation first, looked like. It was the first one you know, the first thing we
2: had to he- have, they had to hear it from us. Yes. And Quinn, um, is our, you older. did it
1: together. You we sat down together. together. Did you talk before you sat down with the kids, what you were going to talk about? Like, did you have a dry run, a rehearsal?
2: No, no, we didn't rehearse. And it was, it was just a cry fest. I mean, mm-hmm. I, as I just kind of cleaned up Macy's room, cause she just moved out. I mean, I'm going to cry. <laughs> um, I, memories of laying in her bed, all four of us.
1: Because oh. talk- you're still in the family <laughs> home. So those memories are embedded there.
2: Oh, yes. You know, I think a lot of times um, people think that the the one who keeps the home is the easy, you know, that's the easy route, but it's, it's definitely harder because you have mm-hmm. the memories. Oh, Okay um anyway we told Quinn first Quinn is just you know she was older and she had sensed things were off and very intuitive very emotional very um connected you know? so <laughs> she was Quinn it, Quinn it wasn't a big surprise he telling her and um And she took it with grace and courage. And and we were, the three of us (laughs) were nervous to tell Macy. And really it was tears and hugs and just reassurance
1: that we were all still a family. Right. It is a family. And it was just going to look different. It was going to look different. As I remind our listeners, we can be one family that lives in two homes. We do not have to throw out all of the gold when we dump the pan, right? We're, we're, there's a love story in there. There's businesses, there's pets and animals and children. And it's interesting you identifying this family home differently. You're still in the family home today.
2: I love my home and Mm -hmm. I ran into kind of the same things. It was a lot of upkeep, a big house. And so I, um, one of the first things I did was I reconverted the basement back into the apartment that it was when we first bought this house. Um and that was great on multiple levels. I yes. To share my space with people and to add to my income. Yes. And help with the mortgage.
1: I did the um, same thing. That basement became a rental unit. hmm It's so it's so smart.
2: And that allowed me to stay in this place that I love. Um, That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But I, you know, I, the memories, the memories were, you know, good on sometimes and hard on others, but I was all right with them. It was, it was shocking to me actually um, that Matt just, he, when he moved out, he took hardly anything. Mm. Um, And I'm just not that way. And it kind of actually made me realize that it was me maybe that was building the home. And maybe I never gave him an opportunity to do that. And that was part maybe part of what led to it. I don't know. I don't know. I I, I hear about this happening with other people too. Like mm-hmm. one just leaves and it sounds harder. I was like, oh gosh, really? You're going to buy like all new cast iron? Like we we season that cast iron, <laughs> you know? <laughs> or you don't have to take this like crappy lawnmower. I don't want to, you know, like I, I, I felt like some, I felt gifted and burdened all at the same time. Um, But I think in the end, it was probably really nice for him to have a fresh start and not have the memories. And Matt is a way more emotionally, um, uh, he just, his emotions are out and on the table. And I think he needed that more than Mm -hmm. I did.
1: A fresh Um, start.
2: But it was incredible. I actually, like, it was just, okay, so five years we've been divorced. It was just like two years ago that I actually like
1: bought new sheets. I was like, what am I doing? Oh, honey, that should be the first things to just cleanse. And and that
2: process actually continues is what you realize it continues. And I'll still find things where I'm like, oh, this was your grandmother's. You probably want this or, you know, and and it just, yeah, it's a process. I mean, the first thing I did, I think was I I took my wedding ring off
1: and I threw it in the field. (laughs) And how did that feel, Amy? Great. It felt great a release. (laughs) Do you think it's still out there? Yeah, probably. (laughs) Probably. Well, when we come back from the break, we're going to hear more about how Amy and Matt moved through the arduous, difficult, complicated process for most people as they go through divorce. But these two project managers, they found their own way. Stay tuned to The Good Divorce Show.
0: Before you call the lawyer, call the Good Divorce Coach. Give your family the gift of working with a certified divorce coach, a co-parenting specialist, and a mediator. Karen McNitty has the knowledge and skills to guide you through the full divorce journey, before, during, and after. It's one thing to get divorced, it's another to be divorced. The Good Divorce Coach will teach you and your partner how to be divorced with less drama, less destruction, and less debt. Visit the GoodDivorceCoach.com to get in touch with Karen. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name, followed by the word Podcast. Hey Alexa! Play Finding Your Frequency Podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to The Good Divorce Show with Karen McNinney. Have a question for Karen or her guest? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now, back to the show with Karen.
1: Hello, and welcome back to The Good Divorce Show, chatting today with Amy McQuilkin, local business owner, entrepreneur, divorcee with a smile on her face. But it was not always that way, Amy, right? Oh my gosh I
2: cried more tears in that year than I've ever cried ever.
1: <laughs> mm. And no. if you were to identify sort of the the root of those strong emotions where would it lead you is it is it sadness is it pain is it regret Yeah that-
2: yeah regret um for sure you know, because as soon as I realized the seriousness of it, I was like, yes, yep, mm-hmm, counseling where mm-hmm. I had never been interested before. And, yeah, too little, too late at that point. So definitely regret. Um, Yeah, I, I felt like I felt I took a lot of it on personally. And a big part of my healing was detaching from that and realizing that it really, you know, no, it, you know, the, the reasons weren't me.
1: You don't Um, get all the credit or all the blame. Exactly. (laughs) And so there,
2: there was a lot of taking it on and feeling like it was, it was my fault and feeling, um, like that I would never love again. And that, that was the love of my life and the partnership of my life. And the only person, I mean, Matt and I, like I said, before we built businesses together, we remodeled houses together. We were so good at Running a canoe down a river, man, we could do it without arguing on like nobody. We could, we just, we're great partners in so many ways. And um, did you
1: approach I your divorce in a similar way? <laughs> yes, we were. We were so good at our divorce. Was it project management one hundred and
2: one? Yes, I mean our mediator just was floored. <laughs> she was like, "Are you guys sure?" <laughs> Um, But I just didn't, I didn't, I felt like I could never find that in anyone else again. Um, So there was that, there was grief, it was like death, yeah, death of a loved one, death of, you know, an end of a major part of life was happening. And so now I look back, I'm like, oh, I was grieving and that was all right and good. And
1: And the only way through it,
2: was anger that I, yeah. you know, I, cause it wasn't my initiation. And, and I mean, it took me a couple of years to like hug Matt and thank him. I remember we spent a Thanksgiving together. All of us at Chico stayed in a loft, like, you know, the four as of As a us, family? As a family. been divorced. Just the four of you? Um, no, to another family that we'd always vacation with all of us together And we just, I remember hugging him that night and thanking him for the courage he had to, Um, to initiate the divorce. Cause, cause you know, he was right. There was passion missing. There was, there was just more that we wanted and that, you know, we didn't need to settle for. And the reality is we still have that partnership in so many ways with our children. And we will always, we, we still, our friends will be going through hardships and we'll call each other and talk about it. I mean, We still have that, but it was like the disentangling of this, the habit of being together, of always having that partner to go to the fundraiser with you, to go out to dinner, to see the movie, to travel with, you know, or to do adventures with. And suddenly I felt like I had nobody.
1: Yes, it's almost. Sometimes I think of it like a phantom pain, and I'm not an amputee, Mm -hmm. but it feels like part of your life has been amputated. But sometimes you feel it. The absence of it is so painful. Oh, could be a little intact family at a park that would just drop me to my knees. Oh,
2: same. Oh my gosh.
1: I mean, and I I remember
2: saying to Matt so many times, like I'm I'm I feel broken, and 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 he was like, you're not broken. And, and he was right. I wasn't, but I am a very optimistic, like, you know, positive person. And suddenly like, I didn't, I just wasn't myself at all.
1: Yeah. At all. And so the two of you, um, you come to this decision, walk us through a little bit of the micro decisions of mediation. We have these businesses, right? There's there's the being divorced, but there is just the getting divorce and you had assets. Was that work that you did on your own around the kitchen table? Did you have a professional who had to really navigate conflict between the two of you? Um, you know,
2: we didn't really discuss any of those things. I mean, Matt just let it, he was like, I, you know, like, I don't want to fight and I want this to be good. And I have visions of us, you know, having dinner together in the future. And so we kept that in, in our, you know, in our forefront the whole time. And we didn't, we, you know, even though each of us individually in our brains was like probably being petty and thinking about things like, you know, time with the kids and the pets and the cars and everything, we didn't, we stuck straight with emotions and feelings. And it wasn't until, we met with a mediator. We were given the name of a mediator. We wanted to go that route. We were in the room together. We came with all of our stuff and just like everything out on the table. And we didn't know. We didn't know how the Montana law worked. We didn't know that we each, you know, we each had our own businesses, but we didn't know that really, gosh, we actually, after the mediation, we were like, you could really be horrible. Like, I can see why people do this. Like, like there's all these opportunities, you know, like where you, you, you could just not have grace and and really go after each other but fortunately we had agreed going in that that's where we would be and we learned it I mean we didn't know the opportunities that we had for each other until the mediator let us know <laughs>
1: right and this is I think one of the challenges with divorce living inside the legal system that is built when there's adversaries and you're fighting over something which that exists, and we should have that system. But now these families get thrown into that system, and if you're not cautious, those lawyers can hijack your story. Yes, and, and- yes, yes, absolutely. And we, um,
2: I actually have told friends who are having a hard time and are, you know with their marriages and hold on because maybe they've been the you know caretaker of the children and you know have put aside their career and didn't have the uh, uh, their own business like I did like didn't have these things and thought there's no way I could get a divorce you know and I'd be like listen up <laughs> actually you <laughs> both own you you own everything equally and you have yeah. an equal right even though you know maybe his name's in the house like anyway I won't talk about that um I'll talk about our story so we went in there you know just with grace and respect for each other and even though Matt had, you know, he was 50-50 in my business, which we started together at first. And then um, also 50-50 in my building, which I had just bought. Um, not with either of our assets on the line or any of our joined money down. It was um a grant opportunity that I pursued. Um, and he we both knew that. We both knew that either both of us had our own things and we respected that. And and, um, and fortunately, yeah, we dissolved it and neither of us laid claim to either, either of the others things, um, businesses we, I wanted the house. And fortunately, um, when I started my business in 2005, I had this wonderful bookkeeper slash financial advisor who, First year was like, we're setting up a retirement plan and you're going to put this much in. It. And that was really hard. It was really hard for me. Like when we, I was just like scrambling to make payroll to do that. And, and I thanked her in my dreams every night during this dissolution, because if I didn't have that retirement built up for all those years, I wouldn't have had my, any way to buy Matt out of the half of the house that I needed <laughs> to, to offer him in order to keep the house. I mean, so, you know, it's, you hear the stories of like, people have to sell the house because no one can buy the other person out. Um, yeah, she guided me really well that I, I had that opportunity to do that and it worked that I wanted it and he didn't.
1: Yes. And, and you were talking about the distinction also in this process of, I've, I've always felt there is a different experience for the person who chooses to leave and the person who has been left. And it sounds like he brought a certain amount of grace to that as well. And knowing his train was maybe a little further down the track and you were catching up to that reality.
2: Yes, that is it. Exactly. I mean, He, um, yeah, I, I, I later kind of put it together. He was saving for moving out and, you know, Mm I had, I I mean, he was preparing for it and to do it kindly and, you know, that, and I, that is, that has kept with us this whole time, you know, that like respect and just like, I, I won't, I won't leave you, um, you I won't leave you without, you know, your needs, but I also can't continue living this mm-hmm. way. And, and again, why I hugged him and thanked him that night, it took me a long time to get to that point um, because he kept that high standard throughout.
1: What. Mm. Might- What an act of grace and kindness and compassion, which sounds ironic when you talk about the person who chose to leave (laughs) our marriage, but we can, we can do it with grace and compassion and to know that, well, I've heard it said, how we begin is often how we end Mm. and having that ending in place. You're saying we want to be able to go to Chico Hot Springs together and vacation as a family, not As married folk, but as a family. And if you don't blow all that up during the divorce process, then you have the hope of still enjoying the context of family. And that may not be for everybody, but listeners, you'd be surprised. And I will be talking to everyone I can find who still embraces their family and finds the moments to celebrate, you know, their children. And it sounds like that's what you and Matt did. You really put your children at the center of your decision making.
2: Yes, because it was it was the hardest to tell them and to, have you know, disrupt their lives as we did. Like, you you know, your parents are going to live in two different houses, same town. And actually, you know, Matt lives less than a mile away, right up the road. Um, But we, we could, we, from, I mean, from the day he moved out, we had dinner every Wednesday and that was our transition point with the kids. Um, and we would do that by going out to dinner. And sometimes we would cook for each other at our houses. I mean, I remember he was excited to cook for me at his new house to show me his new house. Um, and if it weren't for COVID (laughs) kind Mm. of making us, you know, kind of pull back into our little pods. Um, I'm, I'm sure we would still be doing it. To Beautiful, day. And it was easy because we had had that
1: habit. We were used to each other. Sure. And that's it. There's things from the marriage and the intact single household family that you can carry on into this next chapter. I think people have this assumption that it all has to be flushed and everything's going to be decided by a judge. And I say, no, own your story, mm-hmm. decide how you want your family to look and then fight vigorously for that together.
2: Yes. And you know, it's, it's like with anything, any practice, as soon as you take a little break from it, it just kind of goes away. So my (laughs) advice is like, yes, stay with it. Stay with it. I mean, COVID's a little bit of a, (laughs) it was a bump in the road. Yes. Yes. Um, But staying with it, it just, it makes it just so easy. And it, it was so great for our kids to have that. I mean, that was a couple years, two years Mm -hmm. of nightly or weekly dinners together.
1: Yeah. Well, when we come back from the break, we're going to hear about the afterglow of this divorce experience and where you and Matt are, what happened to the businesses and the kids. Um, Please, listeners, stay tuned as Amy McQuilkin walks us down the path of the afterglow of the great divorcee.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Before you call the lawyer, call the good divorce coach. Give your family the gift of working with a certified divorce coach, a co parenting specialist, and a mediator. Karen McNinney has the knowledge and skills to guide you through the full divorce journey before, during, and after it's one thing to get divorced it's another to be divorced the good divorce coach will teach you and your partner how to be divorced with less drama less destruction and less debt visit thegooddivorcecoach.com to get in touch with karen the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to The Good Divorce Show with Karen McNinney. Have a question for Karen or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788 That's 866-472-5788 now, back to the show with Kara. Welcome
1: back to The Good Divorce Show. So happy to be chatting today with Amy McQuilkin of the beautiful Rocky Mountain Northwest in Montana. Business owner, mother of two now young adult women and neighbor to your ex-husband. <laughs> and not only neighbor, but this still friendship, partnership, almost a siblinghood Um How whatever category you would describe it as, I would be very clear, he is not your enemy. That is very true. Right. (laughs) And there was a moment that the two of you shared. And again, people have brought children into their lives together and businesses and we share home and we also share then pets and animals. Give us a little bit of background on on the journey of the pets of your family and, and what has transpired. Yes. Um, well
2: actually our, our dogs were going back and forth with our children mm-hmm. <laughs> immediately after the divorce. They also, you know, were split household.
1: Um, and did the left. children did, was that a, a, a just a no brainer. Of course the dogs are sticking with the kids and yeah. everyone was in agreement with that.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, it was, they were just as much. I didn't want to be without them. We couldn't, there's no way we were going to separate them. You know, no, it was a no brainer. And the kids are out of the house In the dot, our one old dog, she's actually, she's just barely, barely holding on. She's about 20. She still goes back and forth.
0: Oh, wow.
2: (laughs) And I still go, we go into each other's houses to drop off the dog, communicate about her health, but Um, our other dog about this time last year, um, actually Matt was on spring break with the girls in Washington and I took him in. I thought he had COVID actually, our dog, he was coughing and I found out his chest was full of tumors and we were, we needed to put him down and I, I called Matt and the girls and they cut their trip short actually so that they could come home and spend time with him. Yeah. And, um, it was Matt and I. I like to tell this story as if I was a passerby on a, one of the busy streets that goes through our town that would know us and think, wow, is that Matt and Amy at that vet clinic on a blanket in the grass with a dog crying? I mean, we together and we it was, you know, our vet wasn't it was COVID still and people weren't going inside and, um, she had us, it was a beautiful day and we were just on a blanket laying with our dog after she gave him the injection and just crying together.
0: Um, yeah,
1: because that probably made the most sense. Who else would share in that emotional experience more deeply than Matt?
2: Absolutely, he was the only person I wanted there, and Mm. same with him. And and also, I mean, to be honest, when I think about it, some of the tears too were like another thread that held us together. Is now gone,
1: right? Yeah, and celebrating those um, Mm. threads—your children, the pets, and and that this person since college left such an imprint on your life. And, you know, it's interesting as I think back even in my own journey of what life will look like. Have there been big surprises of where you thought what divorce would look like and what it now looks like that you never would have anticipated?
2: (laughs) I'm laughing because yes, it, it has not been at all what my panic brain told me it was going to be and it and, and even though I grew up in a divorced household it was different. I mean I my mom, my my parents were divorced when I was young and and the hardest part of that for me was when my mom would bring somebody else into our lives, a boyfriend. Um and sometimes they were serious and sometimes not because I relish the times when it was just my mom, my sister and I it was the best my childhood was great living with a single parent um but it was hard when there was another guy to split, you know, my mom's attention with, or I, we had to, we moved, my mom was married again and I was in middle school and we were, we moved to a whole different town. We had to start over. I mean, it was just not great. And so I never wanted to do that with my kids. I wanted to just, I, cause it was the same. I, I instantly went back and I remember talking to my mom on my phone on the phone and my sister and being like, gosh, we really had a great time. The three of us, like Traveling together, camping together, road trips, going out to eat, just, it was like three gals, you know, Mm -hmm. and and that's kind of where Macy Quinn and I were again. We just, the three of us together, it was so
1: great. It's something to be said for singular focus. And many of us divorcees are... Cautious about talking about the delightful parts of divorce and the benefits. And what I know is that when I'm with my children, I am with them. It's not split focus because there's this other part of my life where I can go scratch the itch of travel with girlfriends or projects on my own, right? There's this other capacity. Mm -hmm. And although we may not have the same quantity, we definitely have a richer quality to our relationship.
2: Absolutely. Karen. It's, I mean, to just, I, it's kind of ideal to have, and it was hard. It was hard at first being alone. Oh
1: gosh. At yes. First, the first the silence. Night. Oh,
2: I, and my friends are so lovely. Like they would stay the night with me. Like yes. they would just keep me busy. And then I just remember that first night
1: alone with no pets, no kids. It was the worst. The silence is deafening, right? Just And I went on slumber parties too. I'm like, I just, it feels, it's very different when you're choosing solitude actively. And when you feel like it's sort of thrust on you and you again, feel that, that sort of phantom pain of the silence of the house and the activity. And it's a light switch. It's busy and there's snacks and there's friends and there's dogs and chaos and then bloop. Yep. And there's people that cook for. And then no, like one of my favorite things was like
2: single woman dinners. Like I have a group of divorcee friends. We would, we'll show each other pictures. It's like a loaf of bread and a bottle of wine.
1: (laughs) Chips and salsa at the kitchen counter.
2: (laughs) Uh But then you, 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 that muscle grows and you start to enjoy that time, that silence. And now five years in and now it's like it all the time. It's not just half of the week, you know, and my kids are out of the house. I, I feel so strong and independent and like confident in being with myself. And as you said, not being like being alone and not lonely. I love being alone in my house Mm -hmm. now. And it just, it just the word that what I want to tell people is like that, that time, that time does not last forever. That grief and that you know, pain and that sadness, it just does not last forever. And on the other side is actually this magical rainbow world that nobody
1: talks about. <laughs> I refer to it as the devorgasmic stage, <laughs> that there is something that feels really good about it. And, and we don't have to feel shameful about it. If we're doing it well, if we're being thoughtful about our new relationships, about the relationship with the other co-parent, our children, and, and indeed your life has been blossoming and you're not technically alone anymore. Your mom, married, divorced, married to get three times yeah. mm-hmm. so, door of people coming in and out of your life, her partners. So what was your intention and what has it looked like as you invited new relationships and a dating experience into your life Mm post-divorce?
2: I really didn't want it to look like that. Sorry, mom. Um, So I, um, about a year after I reconnected with um, a man who Matt and I have both known, he was a friend of both of ours. Um, and actually Matt re-partnered, repartnered as well with, with, uh, someone who we'd both gone to college with and both known. And we all, we all actually spent
1: Christmas together. Oh my Christmas. goodness. The new quartet, <laughs> the ex-spouses, there are new lovers, everyone oh, gathered around the Christmas tree and the kids and
2: the pets and their moms. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it was—I wow. gotta say—the relief of having my, my ex, my ex mother-in-law, which once a mother-in-law, always a mother-in-law. Like she will, yes. Come, but but suddenly this, she wasn't mine anymore, and I could leave at the end of the night. It was really good.
1: <laughs> <crazy. laughs> <laughs> you all sincerely have a good experience together.
2: We, you know, again, COVID happened, and it all that practice was interrupted, and I'd want to say yes, it's still continuing, but we've all kind of gone into our own spaces, but yeah, I walk into a restaurant and see Matt sitting at the bar eating and I'll sit right next to him with whoever I'm with, even if I was with Leif. And actually, yes, our friends opened a restaurant and on the soft opening Leif and I were seated at a table right next to Matt and Candace. Oh my goodness. And actually our friends who owned it were like, Oh, like kind of in the back, like, is this okay? We're like, it is fine. It is hilarious. It is great.
1: Like, (laughs) I think so often we are the ones who have to train our friends and family, like, please don't choose. Don't divide us. We're fine. You don't have to be all worked up about it. Mm-hmm. Well, and they kind of project onto you what their
2: fears are you yes. know you find you're like wow i could see where you would go but no this is not what it is mm-hmm. but no we've matt and i have both repartnered um neither of us have chosen to uh move in with our partners right um and and we both um keep our days we've kept our days with our with our children our days with our children Mm -hmm. and, and really separated it. And it's not completely, it's not like they don't know, you you know, my kids don't know Layford, Candace, they do, but um, it's on a, just a a level where they know, they know to, uh, to us, they're,
1: they're number one. Right. And you've kept them in first position Mm -hmm. and that you don't split your focus. Right. They know that you have love.
2: Mm-hmm. which they're happy too. Cause they, so much of their hearts are like, they too are like, I don't want you to be alone when I'm with dad. <laughs> like they think about that. Like, it's amazing. We got my, you know, we got in the habit where we would have this, it was Sunday, Sundays, and every Sunday we would make Sundays. My girls and I, in something in the back porch. And that was the opportunity to let out the thing that was bothering you. Mm. or that was sad, making you sad, or was making you happy or like just a time to talk. One of my kids talks about everything to the point where you're like too much, too much, too much. I don't <laughs> and the other one is like nothing. And it was really good for both of them to come to this even place and where we could talk. And we never did that before as a, as a whole family. We right. never would sit down new rituals, forum. new traditions. New rituals, yes. And a new opportunity to really like be vulnerable and to talk about our emotions. And that never was a thing. So that was a great part of the divorce. Right? Um, the other great part I have to say is my children now have two more adults in their lives who are wonderful, solid humans that they can depend on because of village. our village. Yes. And I love that my children have Candace and I know, and they have called on life when they've needed things. And that is pretty cool that they have four adults.
1: Now yes. And this. that is again, a really significant and important paradigm shift that we don't see the scarcity of the story, mm. the abundance of the story yeah. and what can come as a result of, of what is a hard decision. What are dark days, but they don't last forever, right? It is oh, temporary. Yeah, it sucks. Let's be very clear. It it it's bathroom floor, crying your eyes out. Oh, needing all the support in the community to lift us up and out. And it usually takes longer than we want and longer than we think it will. But mm-hmm. you do get through it.
2: You get through it. And I journaled harder than I've ever journaled. I. I really, it was soul searching and soul crushing and soul. I mean, I, I, that it was a, I, I, I was, I, I don't want to say it like this, but I feel like that who I was died. And then I was mm. creating a new me and, and a new who, yeah, who, I don't know who I am anymore without this person always by my side. We were always Matt and Amy McQuilkin, you know? Yeah. And, I had to create my new self and that does not come easy, but there is a process. It also shouldn't come easy.
1: It shouldn't right. be like,
2: okay, here I go. It, it's a process of just working through. And I, oh, gosh, yeah, I, it's been a while since I thought about those days, Karen. And 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 I didn't want to think about them for a while. And now I think back about them fondly because it was the process of becoming who I am now. And I, I, living my life as a single woman, making my own decisions, having the means to, I did not, I, that was one of actually the first things I was like, wait, Matt, we can't get a divorce. Like how could we afford to buy a house or send our children to college or do all the things. But I, I've never been so financially sound as I have been as a single person.
1: isn't that a surprise
2: love telling
1: people that. Yes,
2: I also love spreading out my time with multiple people. I have intentionally with my repartnering, Leif and I see each other twice a week. And um, now that the kids are out of the house, there isn't a plan to move in with each other. We want to continue on with these independent lives. And I love that I can... Be, you know, I can be like, well, I want to do this with you, but then there's these other friends I would like to do this with. And there's my family I want to do this with. And suddenly I'm like, I actually a healthy, a healthy partnership doesn't mean one partner. It's multiple partners.
1: Yes. And having space and intention to build that community for yourself.
2: And not feeling guilty for spending time with what this person and not the other. It's
1: Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Amy McQuilkin, you are the poster child of the good divorce. You and Matt just really honoring you, your family. And it is just such a gift for you to open your heart, all the pieces of the memories and the journey so that we can guide other people towards their own good divorce. And to our listeners out there, both Amy and I reminding you everything is going to be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, It is not the end.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Good Divorce Show. We hope today's episode has helped you find a kinder, more sensible, and less expensive path through the divorce journey. Until we talk again, have a beautiful week.